Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, Auburn's premier home for student-run radio since 1971. I'm your host, Jack Hart, alongside my color man, Davis Carroll, joined by the incomparable Jacob Hillman and the enlivened Alex Houston. We'd like to welcome in our listeners and viewers from around the Auburn Opelika Megaplex and around the world. However, you may be tuning in today, whether that be on your terrestrial radio antenna through the information superhighway at weglfm.com or tuning in after the fact on transistor.fm or Eagle Eye TV. We are happy to have you in the booth with us for Auburn's only student-run drive-time morning show. And now broadcasting live from the Bradley-based and WEGL studios here in the bowels of the Harold Melton Student Center on the campus of Auburn University, where it is a lovely 71 and sunny this fine Monday morning. It's Compact Discourse. We wish you a most sincere good morning as we get on with the show. Davis, I'll start with you. How are you doing today after an exciting weekend of sports? I'm feeling good. It was a good weekend of sports, a good Auburn game. We're now apparently the number one ranked offense and defense in the country. Tied on defense, actually. Okay, Mr. Semantic. Just wanted to clarify. It's not your turn yet. Let me talk. My bad. Great start Great start. Felt great this morning. Woke up, felt good, walked here. Not even even a drop of sweat broke. Feels great. Does feel good indeed. So, Alex, yes, are we tied for defense? Uh, Yes, I believe we're tied with Georgia. Because Georgia has the same scoring defense as we do. Yes, they've allowed five points per game like Auburn has. But, of course, Georgia played Clemson, and we've played Akron and Alabama State, or Auburn has played Akron and Alabama State. So, But, yeah, I, th- I think it is tied on that. But I think in yardage, Auburn is ahead. So, Okay, good to know. And, Hillman, how are you doing today on this fine Monday morning? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm ready for this upcoming week. Of course, we're going to talk about last weekend today, but I just know this upcoming week is going to be a fun one. Yes, sir. So Monday will, of course, be our weekend recap show. So thank you for joining us on a fine Monday morning. And there is a lot to get to. And I think we can all agree that we should start with some Auburn football. That is probably the most uh, worth talking about thing that happened this weekend. Or I guess we can get it out of the way, as it were, as uh, uh, Auburn took on Alabama State this weekend in football it was a hometown heroes day and auburn celebrated the occasion with a 62 to nothing win over the in-state rival hornets and so auburn gets a, another win goes one and as it were to improve their record to two and on the season scoring 60 points in back-to-back games for the first time in nearly 100 years so how about that? I guess we'll go ahead and I'll throw it over to Hillman to get his initial reactions. What did you like about this week? What did you not like? And how was it different from last week? Because I think a lot of people expected last week to go a lot like how this week went. Right. And, and it's, it's weird because this game had a lot of those you know, first time since this day. This is the longest whatever. And all, all those things happened a lot in this game. But I mean, the, the the offense did not start off well. The The first half was sloppy, a lot of penalties. I think there were seven penalties in the first half. They cleaned those up in the second half. But it was an 11 a.m. game coming off a huge win against Akron. So you could kind of guess that going in, there was going to be some sloppy miscues. You know, it's not something you want it to see, but it's also a good thing going into next week, a hostile environment. You have things to work on. You don't have two perfect games because Akron, I mean, I feel like that was a pretty perfect game. Alabama State was not a perfect game because the first half was – there were issues with it. So 
Uh, I, I at, at halftime, I thought the most entertaining part was going to be the two bands that performed. The Alabama State Band is always electric, always entertaining. And then, obviously, the Auburn Marching Band had uh, Auburn High School with them, and they had a, a commemoration for the 20th anniversary of 9-11, and that was a very, very – the stadium was silent throughout that performance, and it, it was it was a – it was a beautiful moment. So, the third, then the third quarter happened, and then we had football to talk about. So that that, that was a it was a fun Saturday. Yeah, the the flow of the game was definitely interesting, considering how slow of a start the team got off to, and then halftime happened, and then Auburn gets shot out of a cannon, scores thirty five and a quarter for the first time in twenty years. Yeah, that New Mexico State nineteen ninety three was the last time that happened, and it's the most points in a quarter Auburn's ever scored. Alex, did you go to the game Saturday? I did, actually, yeah. I think we sat right behind you guys, actually. I saw, we could see Davis's hair, and we also saw you and your shades, Jack, uh, down below. So, Well, thanks for saying hello. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I tried to look, turn around and look for my uncle, they kept waving at me. I mean, yeah, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I did go to the game, and, I mean, you know, first half was not so great, but, like, a lot of people were sounding the alarm bells in the middle of the first half when, you know, I don't think anybody needs to react to how Auburn was going to do against Penn State until the game completed, as it was seen in the second half. And, I mean, you know, it wasn't – to me it was – the first half was just a lot of basically simple mistakes rather than, oh, the offense looks bad in this way or that way. You know, Bo was hitting his targets. They just dropped a lot of the passes, right? Like, what, Bo was 9 for 16, but in reality, if the receivers had caught the pass that he hit on target, he would have been more like 13 for 16 or something like that. I don't remember what, how many drops there were. But, I mean, you know – I think I'm not coming out of this game concerned about Auburn, any more concerned about Auburn heading into Penn State than I was beforehand because the way they adjusted in the second half and, you know, the way the defense, you know, they gave up one long drive to Alabama State and then they responded by shutting it down in the red zone and then returning a blocked field goal for a touchdown. Like, that's the kind of response you want to see from a defense that, I mean, that's the kind of responses Auburn defense in the past have had. When they allowed teams to get in the red zone, they would force a turnover or score some points to shift momentum completely. And that's what it did. And um, I will say one thing that really stands out for this team is how aggressive they are regardless of the score and regardless of time. Brian, This is the second straight um, game where Brian Harson has used all of his timeouts to try and get the ball back one last time in um, the first half. I mean, and normally coaches will do that for the big games, right? You know, they'll do it if – you know, they're playing Alabama and they want to get some points before halftime. But I, not many coaches will do this against Alabama State and Akron. Especially Akron last week. They were up like, I think it was already 30 to nothing or 31. I don't remember. But that's just one thing. It's just how aggressive that they have been consistently throughout the game. They did not take the foot off the gas pedal. Even when they put in Jarquez Hunter, they still were moving the football at will. So that's really the biggest thing is that how aggressive this team looks in its first two games. That's right. And yeah, you mentioned Jarquez Hunter and pretty impressive performance by him coming in as the number two back. It's great to see Auburn has some depth at that position, especially with uh, the history of how that position has played in the past recent years, uh, dating back maybe five or six years under Malzahn. And then you also had him break off a 94 yard run, which is the longest run ever from scrimmage in Auburn history. So good to see number 27 getting some touches in this one. Davis, what were your initial reactions from the game on Saturday? Do you like that 11 a.m. kick? Uh, I didn't mind it. Getting up that early, kind of used to it now for compact discourse, so it's not that bad. 
I think I think they pretty Jacob and Alex pretty much did a great job of talking about all the game things. I just want to say that getting into the game this time was a lot easier. Yeah. It is Alabama State, of course. I was gonna say I think this it was more spread out. Yeah. Based off the looking at the lines, it looked like people showed up more spaced out. Whereas Akron, everyone was in line at the beginning, so it was just kind of chaotic getting in. So that's good to hear because. When I saw the line against Akron not moving at all, I was I was wondering what the reaction to that was going to be. Of course, this past week, as you said, was a lot better. Yeah, I would say um, it was also because people didn't want to get up at 9 a.m. Because once it got to, you know, 10, the, the walkways in the middle of the student section were stagnant yet again. Which, I mean, that's to be expected anytime, really. But, like, I think... If we all got in pretty early, I would say. I don't know what time you guys went to the stadium. We got in like ten fifteen. Oh, never mind. I, I don't know then. I guess that was just because that's how, that's how it is on the walkway sometimes. But, yeah, I would say it is definitely easier as more people are figuring out, one, what to do on their phones, and two, if their phones don't work. So That's right. Alex, does your phone work anymore? No, it still doesn't work. I, I, I had to go to the – and this was, this was the second time I went for a completely different process. Last time they just checked me in. This time they just said go to the troubleshooting thing, which is hilarious because, like, you st- – in going to the troubleshooting, you still got these two guys in orange polos that you have to convince your phone doesn't work. Like, you've got to start doing the, oh, this lady at this booth who you should know told me my phone doesn't work or they won't let you through. And I'm like, I, which, I mean, I get it, but, like, it's just, that's just always funny. But, yeah, my phone is not going to work. I have to go through that every time. The one annoying thing is the only troubleshooting gate is the same gate where all the guest passes go, which seems ill-advised, but it is what it is. I'm sure the struggles will continue, and we hope that you keep us updated. On, uh, oh, of course. Yeah, so uh, just final stats from the game on Saturday. Bo Nix, 9 of 17 for 108 yards, two touchdowns with a QBR of 39. How about that for Bo? Uh, TJ Finley comes in, goes 2 for 2, 66 yards, and a tutty QBR of 100. Jarquez comes in the game. He's your number one back for this game. He got eight carries for 147 yards. He got 18 yards on average per touch. He got a touchdown, and his long, of course, was that 94-yard run. Tank Bigsby, he did his job as well. He got 122 yards on 11 carries, averaged 11 yards a carry. Did not find the end zone this game, though. And then the passing game spread it out as well, hitting seven different receivers, including hitting Demetrius Robinson three times for 61 yards and two touchdowns. That was an average of 20 yards per catch. So, and, oh, I mean, I mean, we're, this game and last game, I think we're both. I mean, everyone's very excited to see how much, how min, how Bo's going through his yeah. his progressions and hitting more than one receiver. And I will say, I think another thing, and Jackson Love did a great article for us after the game. Uh, you can find it on WGLFM.com. And that J- Jarquez Hunter, he was the first Auburn running back to debut with back-to-back 100-yard games ever. Not the first since Bo Jackson. Not the first since... Uh, I think Ontario McCaleb did it. No, my, I, 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 based on what this says, it says Ontario McCaleb, uh, let's see, was the, was the first one to do it in his first game. But in, in terms of back-to-back games, I believe Hunter is the first one to do it since to do it in back-to-back games. Michaela did it against Louisiana Tech on 9-5, 2009 for 148 yards, and on 9-12, 2009 against Mississippi State, he ran for 114 in case, yards. In that case, that's my mistake. But uh, <laughs> I, I apologize. pretty quick on that one, um, Dang, you know, you know your stuff, Jacob. Very impressive. Yeah, but still, you just figured that out? I mean, this this. Hillman knows what he's talking about. I knew about. that on Saturday. Hey. Uh, Normally, I'm saying that. Alex just figured uh, out that Hillman yeah. knows what he's uh, talking yeah, yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. If Jacob tells you a chicken can read, you, you better, better check under his arm for a newspaper. 
That was that was weird. <laughs> that was weird. But I, I, st- I still think the fact that you've got this third running back on the depth chart who was a three-star recruit who was expected to be something, you know, later in it, like later in his career. With Shivers and Bigsby this year, he was not expected to be much of anything, really. And now you know you've got this trio of running backs who could all go for 100 yards at any given day at this point. And, I mean, I think that's just great because, you know, last year it was – and in the last few years, it's been, you know, the one running back show with other running backs mixed in, but it really has been, felt like it's been one guy. We all remember the 2019 or 2017 Iron Bowl where for some reason, Carrion Johnson touched the ball like 40 times, even though they had a bunch of running backs in the rotation that they could have used. And now, you know, you've got Bigsby, Hunter and Shivers, assuming Shivers is back for the Penn State game. I mean, that's a trio that I feel like this offense doesn't really have much of an excuse to ever get under 100 yards rushing this season. Georgia being the only exception, maybe because they might have the best defense in college football by a wide margin. But against everybody else, I mean, you've got three talented running backs where you should get over 100 with ease, honestly, because you've just each of them brings something different to the table. But I just think that's a very exciting thing for the offense and for Bo Nix because it won't have to be, you know, 35 passing attempts on the road against Florida. It can be 20 while you give to your three very talented running backs. But that's kind of one of the biggest things that I took away from these first two weeks. So we've talked enough Auburn football. And when we come back from a break, we're going to get into what else happened in the world of college football. We'll probably spend two segments on that one because a lot went down on Saturday. Don't go anywhere. I'm Jack Hart, joined alongside Jacob, Alex, and Davis. We'll be talking college football on the other side of this break. We'll be back in about two minutes. Back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Jacob Hillman, Alex Houston, and Davis Carroll. We are talking college football this fine Monday morning as it was a great weekend of sports, including Auburn sports, which we talked about in the last segment. So if you missed that, go ahead and check out our podcast wherever you get podcasts to hear our breakdown of the Auburn versus Alabama State game, but there was much more excitement to be had on Saturday. So before I do uh, your scoreboard, can everyone just give me your initial reactions? Just broad base. We'll obviously go into specifics games, but I think my takeaway was that I was I was not expecting this week to provide very much excitement, but I was very, very much surprised when this week provided a lot of exciting games. Uh, so, Alex, you, you you tend to agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say there were a lot of games that should have been blowouts <coughs> that very much weren't. You've got uh, one we're obviously going to talk about later, Florida State, Jacksonville State. You've got Notre Dame and Toledo, like just games that you would have figured would have went one way that ended up being, you know, rather contentious games to the final minute. Texas you know, and Colorado. Thing. Exactly. So, like, definitely. I don't know how Texas A&M still number five in the country, but. I mean, you got to wait till Alabama beats them by 60. Because isn't that their That's first right. big game? I don't know. i got to look at their schedule. And they actually dropped seven. but ah. Innocent until proven guilty in the AP poll. Yes. Texas, yeah, Texas A&M, they do play Arkansas. And oh, it, yeah, no. On the 25th, so we'll see. Davis, did you get a chance to watch anything other than the Auburn game Saturday? Uh, I did get to watch the Texas game, the Notre Dame game. Yeah. And there's one more. I can't remember what it was. 
Jack, you were there. Do you remember what it was? Uh, I was very confident in UAB's ability and mm. oh. very quickly turned that game off. Oh, that's unfortunate. UAB did score more points than Clemson. Uh, there you have it. That's an important note, yes. Big to note. It's noted. All right, and with that, I think we're going to hop right into your college football scoreboard, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about see what happened in the top 25 this weekend. On Friday night, it was Kansas playing Coastal Carolina again for some reason, and they lose 22-49 to in a matchup I think everyone pretty much expected. Alabama did their job against Mercer. They won 48-14. to Georgia showed that they can score a touchdown against UAB, where they scored eight of them, up 56-7. to Big shocker of the weekend. It was the Ducks who went into the horseshoe and came away with a W against Ohio State, 35-28. to Oklahoma proves that they can take care of of an opponent handedly as they beat Western Carolina 76 to nothing. Up in Mile High, it was AM who struggled mightily against the Colorado Buffaloes, but they end up winning 10 to 7. South Carolina State puts up points against Clemson, but fall 3 to 49. Murray State is tied at halftime with Cincinnati, but they end up losing 42 to 7. Toledo takes Notre Dame to the wire 29 to 32. Iowa wins the Cyhawk Trophy, taking down Iowa State 27 to 17. Ball State goes into Happy Valley and comes away unhappy with a 13 to 44 loss. Florida goes down to Tampa and beats South Florida 42 to 20. Stanford upsets USC 42 to 28 in a game I doubt you were awake for. And Texas goes to Jerry World in Arkansas and drops a big one 21 to 40. Go Hogs. Eastern Michigan gets handled by Wisconsin 34 to 7. Middle Tennessee loses to Virginia Tech 35 14. Austin P gets run over by Ole Miss 54. 17. BYU wins the Holy War after dark, taking down Utah 26-17. App State can't pull off the upset in South Beach as Miami comes away a winner 25-23. UNLV is not enough for Arizona State. They win 37-10. North Carolina is all over Georgia State 59-17. And of course, your Auburn Tigers, number 25 in the AP poll, are all over Alabama State 62-0. And that is what happened this weekend in the top 25 AP poll. I think we should open up with the Florida State discussion. I think, oh, yeah, wow. that one did not get mentioned, but of course, Jacksonville State goes down to Tallahassee and pulls off what Notre Dame did the same, the same last week and takes down the Knolls. Well, looking at the football side of it, it's, it's really interesting because I've got a, it's a funny tweet I mentioned to y'all in the break to talk about, but it's, it's interesting to see how you go from that week one exciting victory. It reminds me of the Texas-Notre Dame game where Texas beats Notre Dame. Joe Tessitore oh exclaims that Texas is back. Florida State didn't quite beat Notre Dame, but it was a close enough game where the recent – the state of Florida State football has not been good. And for them to – put up a fight like that against Notre Dame everyone it was encouraging for them and also you kind of think okay Notre Dame might not be all that well then early Saturday afternoon Toledo almost takes down Notre Dame you think okay that maybe just a fluky game and then we saw what happened on Saturday night Jacksonville State on the Hail Mary well after that Hail Mary and I mean immediately after the Hail Mary because I'm looking at this picture from the opposite end zone that Jacksonville State scored in and in the background, you can see the team celebrating, the fans all in that corner. And there's a Florida State player proposing <laughs> with Jacksonville State celebrating in the background. That's tough. That, I mean, that, that means he planned that out because he assumed 
It's Jacksonville State. We should beat them easily, right? Well, that that's how that I say it very well might have been their homecoming game. I'm not sure if it was, but it probably was. You're probably right. Was it, I, I don't know. Was it an elaborate proposal or was it just like get on a knee? Yeah, he's just on a knee and she's on the field. With okay, him. if you were that player, would you have punted it to another game? Yeah, I don't I mean I don't know if I would have punted to it. See, here's the thing. Obviously, when you propose to somebody that you probably have all the families there, they might oh, not good be point. Good point. from that yeah. area. It's just it's just funny that I mean, he, he just felt, he followed through with it. He had that all planned out, and that's gonna be a good story to your kids one day. I proposed to your mom after we got destroyed. We didn't get destroyed right. after we lost to Jacksonville lost a State. Historic game uh, and the game that represented the death of the FSU football program, losing to Jacksonville State. Free I mean, seafood? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I still I I to answer your question, I don't. <laughs> if you could, if you knew you could get their family back in town. Another day, but it's not guaranteed you win that game either. See, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I also don't. Well, if 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 that happened and I decided to punt on it, I'm not doing it after a football game. I mean, if Florida State loses to Jacksonville State as that player, I wouldn't be very confident in winning I'll, any other I'll game. I'll play this something season. else. I'll play something else. Like this is yeah. as good as it's getting. First, first, first place you Let's whatever. say okay, you get you can move it, but you can only move it until after the Miami game. That's the only time. Other time that you get to her family there, would you move it and propose there, or keep her, just propose after the Jacksonville State? I mean, I like I said, I think if I I was gonna say the Clemson game, but that one's kind of no, that's, a, that's that unfair. Yeah. You're, you're gonna lose that game by a yeah. lot. So I, the Miami one, it's the closest one I could. I feel like that'd be a either way. It's just oh my god. I mean, do they play another UMass? So UMass is actually their homecoming game. I thought it was Jacksonville State, but they have another. UMass would probably should have been the original plan, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. That's just bad. I mean, Jacksonville State. Now, here's the thing. Jacksonville State got blown out last week by 31 to UAB. And then here they go. They regroup and beat Jacksonville State. It, or beat Florida State. Like, as funny as this is, it really is alarming to see how far the Florida State program has fallen so quickly. I mean, you know, most, most of these programs that have a down year, they are able to bounce back on the pedigree of we're Florida State, right? Look at all this stuff we did with Bobby Bowden and then Jimbo Fisher after the fact. Heck, Auburn was 3-9, and nine and they bounced back seamlessly. Yeah. I mean, it was certainly an unprecedented comeback, but still, three years after they were 3-9, and nine, they were getting 8-5 and five seasons. Well, you, you mentioned Florida State. It's the same deal in the Midwest with Nebraska. Both those teams yeah. in the mid-'90s were untouchable. I mean, yeah. you cannot compete with those teams. Tommy Frazier, yeah, Charlie Ward, just so many big names yeah. from both of those schools. Great head coaches, Bobby Bowden, Tom Osborne, and now they are some of the most laugh. They're the laughing stock of college football. I mean, I don't know what other team really is up there with Florida State and Nebraska currently. I mean, it, who would it be? Would it be Texas? Vanderbilt? I mean, oh, you said I said laughing stock. I would say Vanderbilt. No one laughs at Vanderbilt because you expect them. <laughs> that's to be fair. Horrible. Okay, that that's a fair point. That's a fair point. But that's Florida fair. State and Nebraska, they should yeah. not. Be, there's so much history around those programs that they should not be yeah. the laughing stock to college football. I would say the only two comparable ones are say Michigan, but Michigan's almost the opposite because they lack that history. The, People expect them to be better. Black, they're the winningest. What? I mean, no. Yeah, this is a, Alex has said this for years that Michigan does not deserve. The the, their 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 biggest claim to fame was beating Ohio State more times than they lost them from like the 1970s, but they haven't won a national championship since 1999. The only reason there's even controversy around Jim Harbaugh and that program is because they can't beat Ohio State, which not many teams can, except for Oregon, apparently. Apparently. And 
Michigan is not in the same pedigree as Florida State and Nebraska. I would say and that's a good thing for Michigan. That, that's true. Thing. That's true. That's true. I would just say in terms of the criticism they receive of those blue blood programs, I mean, that like Michigan's a lot like Tennessee, I think. If they could just. They have a championship in the 90s and a really good rival they can't get over. I've got to mention Tennessee. Tennessee, okay. Tennessee, yeah. Florida State, Nebraska, you can group them together. Because what about all Texas? Them, See, that's what I was saying. I don't know. Texas because at least beats Oklahoma a few times. Bowl, that's, okay, they that's do, they've done that in the last decades. Exactly. So they've, they've done something. Whereas Tennessee, Nebraska, Florida State. Florida State since the national championship, what have they done? I mean, Nebraska literally hasn't been good since Bo Pelini, which is hard to imagine that that could be a sentence you and could say. good, as in they just went 9-3. Eight wins, yeah. yeah. So. And I mean, and I mean they, made, they made the Big Ten championship and lost like 63-14, to 14, but... Uh, Taylor Martinez had that really cool run at and like the middle of the third when quarter. Kenny Bell absolutely. Oh my gosh, you destroyed that guy. that guy. That was oh my gosh, that was insane. Wow. Um, but yeah, this is it. Really is insane to see how far they've fallen because it's just you know most of these programs bounce back. Even Alabama had a lull in the two thousands, but that lull was six and six seasons. They just couldn't get the correct head coach. Yeah, they were hiring. They couldn't hire left and right. Hire the correct former but Bear even, Bryant. Player. Even though. <laughs> Right. Even those coaches could just will could get the, that team would get itself to six and six. Sure, they lose to Auburn every year as they did, but like they made bowl games. They didn't win the bowl game, but like Nebraska hasn't sniffed one with, with Scott Frost. Scott Frost is the second worst coach in terms of winning percentage in the history of a program that's 110 years old. It's I mean, insane. Nebraska lost to Illinois in week zero, who lost to Virginia. That's yeah, 42 to 14. Not not showing. All right. Yeah. So we got lots more college football to get to. I think we'll be talking about it for the next half hour here on Compact Discourse. Then we got some pro sports coming up in the second hour, as well as sports here on the Plains, as there was an exciting weekend of soccer and volleyball here in Auburn. So don't go anywhere. We got the two sports guys in the house alongside Davis Carroll. I'm Jack Hart. We'll be right back after this break. Don't go anywhere. I'll defend my Michigan take just because they've won one national championship since 1948. I mean, I know it's, I, I hear you saying take. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL. 91.1 FM. We welcome everyone joining us today, whether you are listening on WEGL 91.1 on your radio, in your car, in your home, however you may be listening today, or on WEGLFM.com on your phone or computer. You can also uh, listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcast. I just go to Spotify and search for Compact Discourse. It's as easy as that, but it should work on your podcast player of choice as well. We're also attempting to live stream on YouTube. We've gotten about three frames in the past hour so it's more like a slideshow at this point but we are uh, i'm gonna get grayson to fix that later uh so we are continuing to work on that one so apologies if that is not working for you should be working at some point this week all right there were a few i know we're talking about college football and we probably will until the top of this next hour and there were a few games that happened that were worth mentioning but not inside the top 25 so before we get to uh continue our discussion i'm just going to mention those um in a game way after my bedtime oregon state beat hawaii 45 to 27 i want to say something about hawaii real quick go ahead next week kickoff 12 30 a.m eastern time against i forget who they're playing but it doesn't matter because hawaii's playing at 11 30 our time on fs1 so if you want to if you love college football and you just want to stay up all night watch football you've got your option next week 
11.30 p.m.? Correct. Okay. I thought you said a.m., so I was thinking they were 12 12.30 a.m. Eastern time. Yeah, a, tw- oh a, 12, a 12.30 kick would also be a 7.30 kick in Hawaii for the home game. I mean, that's so. prime time for them. All right. I can't wait. Get oh after it, Warriors. All right, and then San Diego State was all over Arizona, 38-14. to 14. Um, Vanderbilt did get a dub against the Rams of Colorado State. I, okay, their kicker is Joseph Bulavas. Is that that it, it? Yes. Oh, my gosh, that's him. Yes. That's him. The yes. doink. All right, we found him. He is playing for Vanderbilt. <laughs> um, Michigan uh, beat Washington pretty handedly. How bad is Washington? Ooh. I mean, I thought they had a chance to contend for the big or Pac-12, and they might not finish in the top ten, Yeah, honestly. I, I will say, um, if I just may say one thing about Arizona, um, I think Kevin Sumlin might be the first coach to be fired of this season, except the guy who already got fired two weeks in. But uh, Fired? He got UConn'd? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I just, like, Kevin Sumlin basically went to Arizona and had Khalil Tate and then tried to make him a passing quarterback throwing it 60 times a game, and now they're losing to San Diego State. So, just, just, I just don't like Kevin Sumlin in Arizona. So, that's all. You, you still talked about the 63-14 beating Auburn got – um, not necessarily. I honestly forget that game happens. I'm more, I just remember going to the Georgia game where they lost like 38 to nothing. But that game is erased from my memory. That's fair. That's fair. So. Um, LSU only beats McNeese by 27. I don't think they covered. The Probably line, not. I think the line. I, mean, I don't know. I think the I line was 38. Well, Orgeron didn't want to beat his son by too many points. <laughs> well, the thing is, if his son beat Ed, then his son would have cost him his job probably i was about to say yeah that would have i i don't think he would have lasted then we would have been talking about lsu in the same conversation as florida state nebraska and tennessee yeah uh yeah definitely lsu still above water right yeah i was gonna say i wouldn't say that even if they had lost i wouldn't have said they are there but i the question would have been are they in in route for that yeah um, yeah that that would have been insane but they survived for now We'll see what happens. So Indiana bounces back and proves they scan- can score points as they beat Idaho 56-14. to 14. Uh, Kentucky wins a thriller in Lexington as they beat Missouri 28-35. to 35. That was an exciting game. It, it was a good start to the SEC slate. Yeah, it, I mean, it was, I was surprised to see a, a conference game on the schedule this early. But well, uh, throwback to 2014 when the SEC Network said, we won a conference game week one, so Auburn got to play Arkansas yeah. and Jeremy Johnson. Well, the thunder. Told everyone he's going to win the Heisman. Yeah. Uh, in the battle of the land of enchantment, the Lobos of New Mexico defeat New Mexico State 34-25. to uh, Raging Cajuns barely get by Nickel State by three points. Oh. Uh, Memphis goes to Arkansas State and wins 55-50. to So the American continues to battle with the fun belt there. Uh, Texas Tech barely beat Stephen F. Austin. Uh, Stephen F. Austin was driving with an opportunity to win that game, but it looks like the Red Raider defense held strong. Another team that barely gets by an FCS opponent, Kansas State, beats Southern Illinois by eight. Um, Baylor takes care of business against their uh, opponent. They win 66-7 over Texas Southern. Uh, Liberty marches into Troy and gets away with a 21-13 victory. Um, I was impressed by Troy to to keep up with Liberty the way they did. I mean, I expected if it was going to be a close game for it to be a shootout, I just thought Troy would be keep scoring points, but they held Liberty to a 21-point showing, which I think is pretty impressive. Yeah. 
Louisiana Tech keeps it close again. This time they win by three, but against Southeast Louisiana. Uh, speaking of La Tech, Mississippi State put on a pretty good performance against the Wolfpack of NC State. They won 24 to. 10. Texas State took down FIU in overtime, 23 to 17. Houston obliterates Rice in the Battle of Houston, 44 to 7. Um, let's see. I would say that Big 12 that Denver. FIU team that lost, coached by former Auburn football coach Terry Bowden, he's back in coaching yet again. He's back. Yeah, he's wait. Yeah, L- Louisiana Monroe. Oh wait, no. Yeah, sorry. He was at FIU. That's my mistake. I apologize. He was at one point. That, that's that's he's my bounced mistake. around a yeah. lot. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's at La Monroe, so. Yeah. Akron puts up twenty four against Temple, but they put up forty five, so Temple wins. <laughs> uh, Air Force de- handedly defeats Navy twenty three to three, so making their contention for the Commander in Chief Trophy there. Nebraska big win over Buffalo, so Scott Frost gets his thirteenth win at uh, Nebraska. FAU is all over Georgia Southern thirty eight to six. Boston College um, takes care of UMass Amherst, 45-28. to 28. Purdue obliterates UConn, 49 to nothing. <laughs> I cannot wait for the Vanderbilt-UConn game. I cannot That's going to be wait. another well, I mean, they kind of ruined it by winning already. Like, Vanderbilt, okay. they, didn't, they didn't do their part. They beat Colorado State by a field goal. By a field goal. A Boulevard field a goal. A Boulevard. <laughs> he didn't doink it off the upright. I... I don't know. I just think it's still going to be the ugliest game. There's ticket prices. You can get in for $2. You can get a $2 bill and get into the Vanderbilt-UConn game on October 2nd. That's going to be exciting. If I was not traveling to Baton Rouge, that is where I would be. I'd be in Nashville for a weekend. That sounds fun. Uh, Rutgers beats Syracuse by 10, 17-7 in the Carrier Dome. Wyoming in a shootout against Northern Illinois. Interesting matchup. They win 50-43. Tulane all over Morgan State, 69-20. Oklahoma State holds off Tulsa, 28-23. Northwestern gets by Indiana State, 24-6. Minnesota beats Miami of Ohio by 5. That really contextualizes that Ohio State team a little bit more, which we can talk about in a second. Uh, Michigan State over Youngstown, 42-14. Wake defeats Norfolk State. Georgia Tech, much-needed win over Kennesaw, 45-17. South Carolina gets the comeback against ECU. They win 20-17 on a last-second field goal. Pittsburgh comes into Rocky Top and comes away with the W, scoring 27 points in the second quarter to win 41-34. Army, three-point win over Western Kentucky, 38-34. 35 and lastly we'll we'll just once again reiterate that virginia beat that <laughs> illinois team that beat nebraska by 28 points and who did illinois lose to last week someone bad somebody bad i'm looking it was a group of five school utsa yeah oh it was not a good no school. that's not good really rough one i i don't know if you mentioned it kent state defeated vmi 60 to 10 and the reason i mentioned that is because that 60 to 10 score sounds familiar to all the fans ah, they yes. beat akron 60 to 10 Josh Dub on Twitter at Josh Dub underscore. He's a big stats nerd. He posts really cool stats. The master of Scorigami. Yes. So the Auburn 60 to 10 win over Acura was the first ever occurrence of a 60 to 10 score. This is just in perspective. Score in major college football history, approximately 80,000 games dating back 130 years. And exactly one week later, Kent State did it again. I mean, that's just wild to me. The fact that first time ever it happens, and just, you know, next week it happens again. It's a sign of a good college football season ahead, yeah, I think. I mean, I agree. That morning slate was so good. I mean, yeah. South Carolina edging out East Carolina, Pitt beating Tennessee, Oregon, Ohio State. I mean, I hope that it's like this the whole season. Yeah. 
Um, I would say for that for that South Carolina team, now they're going uh, to take on Georgia, and Georgia's favored by 32. Well, so here's the thing. South Carolina had to get that win so that they could make sure they're going to be better than Vanderbilt this year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would say another thing, and again, it's only two weeks in. Don't want to pass too much judgment, but with Louisiana barely beating uh, Nickel State 27-24, to how good is Auburn looking on perhaps not hiring Louisiana's head coach? Because I know he I still like Billy Napier. I don't – that's one game, one reaction – they just had a hard-fought game against Texas. I true. I just, ju- I, I'm just surprised that because you know one of their things was that they dominated the Sun Belt and teams l- that were in the Sun Belt and FCS Nickel State is even lower than the Sun Belt and so it's just maybe something to keep an eye on as the season goes on. See, but before two games in, before Brian Harson was in the picture, which I mean. W- Looking back on, it, I don't. Was he ever in the picture until he got hired? I was going to say of a wild card. Billy yeah. Napier was the guy that I wanted. I just felt like he put together a great program in Louisiana, and we'll see because he brought back twenty starters this season. Yeah, so we'll, we'll yeah. have to see. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, All right. So I know Jared had his eye on this game. Fans of the extra point are also fans of Pittsburgh, as we all oh know. The Panthers came into Neyland and got the big W over Big Orange of Tennessee and Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, Kenny Pickett went 24-36 for 285, two tutties. So how about that? For, and then uh, Taser Mack, the leading receiver for Bit, he, Pitt, he had four receptions for 100 yards. Did you guys see the uh, the wide receiver touchdown pass? I did not, actually. Let me, let me watch it right now. Pitt it's pretty is, good. Pitt's up to their old tricks, as always. Yeah. I mean, we all remember them beating UCF on the, on the Statue of Liberty-esque play. And, uh, they beat Miami that one year. There you go. So, yeah, Pitt up to their old tricks, uh, trying to make some noise in the ACC and uh, adding to the laughing stock of the SEC, Tennessee, their misery continues as they are off to a hot one-and-one start this season. I mean, what, what do you expect from Tennessee? They went up 10 nothing in the first quarter. Looked good. But then they give up a 27 spot in the second quarter. Auburn scored 35 against Alabama State in a 62 yeah. nothing lead. I mean— win. And Tennessee's giving up 27 to Pitt in the second quarter. The real question is, what do you expect when you hire uh, the successor to Scott Frost, who was worse at UCF than Scott Frost? Not to saying that that you can use the transitive property so uh, accurately, but I mean, I think so. I think Scott Frost did a great job at UCF. No, 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 no. no, That's what what I'm saying. No, like, no, I'm, I'm saying. Josh Heupel, hard to be as good. It's hard to be as good as no. I know. Frost. I, now I, that being said, Heupel was not well, good. My my point my point was Scott Frost as bad as he's in Nebraska. You got the guy who was not as good as him. Is the point? And I know it's difficult to match what happened at UCF with Scott Frost. But again, but is it fair to compare them? I mean, we'll 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 because see. Because Heupel is the coach at UCF with crazy expectations. Scott Frost came in after they went zero and twelve two seasons before. True. So. And, and, but Hypo also worked with um, a program that was established while Scott Frost built them back from being 0 and 12 to go 12 and 0. With a you, you think you think Tennessee is an established program right now? No, no, I, that's not <laughs> what I'm saying. Um, I mean, what I what I'm saying is like in Hypo's case with UCF, he had a better program than Scott Frost inherited. Scott Frost brought them and beat Auburn in the Peach Bowl, right? And then Heupel works with that, and he does have high expectations. But I'm not saying from an expectation standpoint. I mean, yeah, fair, but I just don't think that – I don't think they're fair to compare. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say Josh Heupel is going to do anything worth anything at Tennessee. I, ba- I doubt he'll ever beat Alabama. But I just – I don't think it's fair because other people do it, too. You're not the only – you're not the first person I've heard fair. this from. I just don't like that comparison. 
That, that, that's fair. The, the, the most important question of all remains, do we think he'll fit the Tennessee coaching cycle of being gone in three years? Mm. Yeah. Am I going to forget Lolly. he was the coach? Like I just said, it was Jeremy Pruitt still. <laughs> you did say that. <laughs> I all right. Uh, Tennessee is Tennessee Tech next weekend, <laughs> and then they are at the Swamp in two weeks. Oh, so good no. luck to them. Uh, we're going to continue talking college football on the other side of this break. Do not go anywhere. You're listening to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Jacob Hillman, Alex Houston, and Davis Carroll. We're talking college football for just a little bit longer, and we're not going to get out of here without talking about the big ranked matchups of the weekend. Once we, once quickly again, it was Oregon going to Columbus and escaping with a 35-28 to win, dominating the Buckeyes. A&M went up to mile high, took on the Buffs of Colorado, and in a very defensive struggle, Came away victorious 10 to 7 after a last second or last minute, rather, CJ Spiller clutch touchdown. Uh, also, it was Iowa going into Iowa City and winning the Cyhawk Trophy against Brock Purdy and the Cyclones of Iowa State. And then one more wild card I'll throw at you Steve Sarkeesian's Texas Longhorns going to Fayetteville and playing a very surprising, I'll say, Arkansas team who has been on the up and coming ever since Musman took over. Personally, I thought it was a bad omen. Personally, I think it was a bad omen for Texas when they misspelled Sarkeesian's name in their in their game notes. Wait, oh, they yeah. did? I, they I did. also uh, failed to I'm mention uh, that I, I know I said that, that Indiana won, oh won their game last week, but I guess should have said Indonesia as they as their jerseys so so aptly said i missed that is that was bad in, the front? Uh, when they played uh when they played Iowa last week one one of them said Indonesia. nice at least yeah. one as far, yeah, so far as bad. I can tell it's bad well i I'm talking about the Iowa Iowa State game game day. Brock Purdy did not look good. Three INTs, thirteen for twenty-seven, and yeah, just a mere 138 yards for Mr. Purdy. I've always had issues with Brock Purdy. He looked bad last year too. He was he's he's looked okay, but he's That's never been say. clutch. That's what I was like. I, I always think about that play he made in the in the big in the Big Twelve championship mm-hmm. when they had time. It wasn't fourth down, and he just threw up a lame duck to the corner yeah. of the end zone to get picked off by Oklahoma. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, and I I agree. I think he's looked okay. I don't think he's always looked bad. I don't. I've never thought of him as a special quarterback or anything, but it's just he's always been okay. Never done anything special. And then this game, he did look bad. I mean, he went 13 for 27, yeah. 138 yards, three picks, no touchdown. And his backup comes in, gets 11 for 16, 114 yards, and a touchdown and no picks. Yeah, I mean, it it, it was really alarming to see. Like, I think last year, you know, it was it was that opening game against Louisiana where everyone's like, man, yes. you know, Todd McShay's like, hey, he could be a top five quarterback in one of the best quarterback classes that we've seen. And I mean, he just laid a complete egg against Louisiana, and Good. you know he, he he had he you know brought him back because they eventually made the Big Twelve championship game or whatever. But like when he's been bad, he's looked really bad. Like yeah. as in he shouldn't be a t- shouldn't be a first round pick. Shouldn't even probably in the first three rounds to be honest. So he will again, look at the quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, probably he probably will be. But I reach. I will say he's playing one of the top defensive teams in not just the Big Ten but in the N- the NCAA. I mean Kirk Ferentz and Iowa have always had good defense, even when they haven't been good as good as they've been. They've always had good defense. And right now it looks like they're heading for a another you know nine and three, ten and two Iowa season, mm-hmm. which is pretty much what he's done since he's gotten there. I mean he's right now he's nearing probably going to get the stadium named after him in short, just like Bill Snyder at Kansas State. So I mean. 
Like, it, they're playing a good Iowa team this year. I mean, how do we see any team in the Big Ten West beating Iowa? I mean, like, let me, I, let, I'm jury's out on Wisconsin for me. Yeah, I don't know. There. I don't know what happened week one. I mean, they had the chops to win that game. They just had a lot of mistakes. Let me go ahead and look at And maybe schedule. that was just week one jitters. But uh, Minnesota looks terrible. Nebraska obviously looks yeah. terrible. I mean, um, so okay. I, Purdue Wisconsin, looked good against bad teams. Wisconsin, maybe. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, and Wisconsin is at Camp Randall. That's the one thing they have. If that game was at Kinnick Stadium, I'd pick Iowa by a million, to be honest. Because mm-hmm. they, they the are Big Ten, so four. Okay, yeah, true, true, true. But, I mean, even they've got Penn State at Kinnick Stadium. They've got, you know, Wisconsin's their toughest road match, but the rest of them are, ooh, they travel to Maryland, Northwestern, and Nebraska. Like, they very well could be 11-1. and one. See, the thing is, I think that if anything's going to happen, it's going to be they'll beat Wisconsin and somehow they'll lose to Northwestern. Yeah, and if that's, that happens, it doesn't really matter. If they, have, if they wheel in the, the lights to play at night in, on a Friday in Northwestern, it's over. Oh, my gosh. Um, but, out. yeah, I, I would say, yeah, they're definitely looking for another very good season at Iowa. I mean, they had they were had a couple down years recently since, like, that 2017 where they pulled that huge upset over mm-hmm. um, Ohio State. But, again, it seems like right now they're going to be one of the top teams in the Big Ten. Now, certainly that means they'll just get to the championship game and probably lose to Ohio State by 40 because that's what teams do when they get to the Big Ten Championship game against Ohio State. But it'll certainly be interesting to see how it all unfolds, especially I'm sure Ohio State is glad they don't have them on their schedule this year. Well, are we sure that Ohio State's going to make the yeah, Big Ten so championship? Yeah, we'll transition over to Ohio State. I had a segue for A&M, but we'll use this one too. Uh, yeah, <laughs> nice. Speaking of bad quarterbacks, Al Calzada, um, 18 of 38. Um, so, yeah, Oregon goes to Columbus and wins a – I mean, Ohio State tried to come back. They had the ball and were driving in the fourth quarter. But Oregon pretty much dominated this one. They were winning for pretty much the entire game. Uh, scoreless first quarter, but Oregon it was winning at halftime 14-7. to seven. Um, So big weekend here in Columbus. Oregon comes in and C.J. Stroud goes 35 of 54. 54 pass attempts is not what you want to see. Um, he does pass for nearly 500 yards and three touchdowns, but it was the rushing attack of Oregon as Verdell went for 20 carries, 161 yards, and two touchdowns. Ohio State just not ha- did not have an answer for this duck rushing offense. I mean, just look at the box score and the rushing yardage from this week and the Minnesota game against Ohio State. That there's it's problematic. I mean, you had three guys rush the ball for Oregon. They went for 161 yards, 65 yards, and 43 yards. And they were just so efficient. They averaged 7.1 yards per carry as a team. That's not good at all. And the thing is about C.J. Stroud, I like him. I think he looks good. But he did look like a freshman late in the game. He just didn't look like he was ready to seize the moment and drive down the field for a winning touchdown so or tying touchdown. So going forward, if they are in another close game, I wonder how it's going to go. I didn't think he looked that good last week against Minnesota either. I mean, he had four touchdowns, but I mean, I mean it was, I it was okay. He was 13 to 22, and a lot of those were the wide open receivers that did most of the work for him. Again, that's not terrible, right? That, but I don't. Th- I I was not surprised when he played a better defensive team, which Oregon has been recently, that that happened. I mean, I certainly didn't expect them to lose because again, it's Ohio State in Ohio Stadium, a place they do not lose very often, if at all. I mean, lately, especially in the post-Urban Meyer, Ryan Day era, they haven't. So I was surprised to see that he, you know, that they lost because of him. But I will say it is definitely concerning for the Ohio State offense that, you know, what they've been driven by is their quarterbacks for years. And now they Mm -hmm. seem to be lacking that. And as suspect as I am on the Buckeyes, I think this loss is going to have huge implications for playoffs because – 
as as bad as I think Ohio State can be, I don't see them losing another game. Yeah. Because they have Tulsa and Akron their next yeah. two weeks. Then they're at Rutgers, and they have Maryland, Indiana, and then Penn State at home. And I doubt Penn State will be ranked number 10 yeah. uh, come come the end of October. Yeah, and then it kind of depends on how this week goes. Nebraska, Purdue, and then the Michigan teams. I mean, I mean is, is, is that a symptom? Michigan gets, gets the win to keep them out of the playoff? I don't think it nah. is, but... Depending on how Oregon plays, this loss could keep them out of the playoff yeah. because of how weak this schedule is for Ohio State. Well, yeah. the thing is, I feel like uh, Oregon also has a weak schedule, yeah. so they might just run to the college football playoff and Pac-12 championship easily. Now, of course, who comes out of the South? Does UCLA have a chance against Oregon? So Oregon, Oregon plays UCLA in the regular season at the Rose Bowl. And if, if UCLA is able to continue their run up until that point, I mean, first of all, I think game day will probably be there for one. And secondly, I mean, you know, they're making jokes about how they couldn't fill UCLA stadium. But when they played LSU, the stadium was a lot more full. And if UCLA, I mean, I mean it's yeah, obviously it could be a lot more full compared to the previous. Week well, I was thinking LSU fans probably flocked there. That's I mean, there was a lot of there was a sea of blue in that stadium as well. And it's, it's part of the fact that it's because UCLA has been bad for years. But if yeah. they continue that run, I mean, that could be a very hostile environment in one of the biggest stadiums in college football against that Oregon team. If Oregon had it at home, I'd be confident. But you could very well get an 11-1 Oregon team with their one loss being to UCLA. Because that's what the Pac-12, at least that's what Pac-12 fans say the Pac-12 does. They beat each other rather than just all of them being bad. Yeah. But we'll see. I don't know. It's going to be an interesting year for the playoff. Yeah, and speaking of the Pac-12 being bad, I just – it was it was not pretty watching uh, A&M play Colorado yeah. on Saturday. Uh, Zach Calzada comes in for A&M. Um, he starts the game 0-6. A&M goes most of the first half without getting a first down. Uh, they then proceed to drive down the field and get a field goal right before halftime. Um, but neither offense could get anything going. And A&M actually got what appeared to be a touchdown that was then fumbled and recovered by Colorado for a touchback. So on paper, A&M probably wins this game 17-7. to But even against this terrible Colorado team, that's not what you want to see out of the number five team in the country. For sure. I... I Thought Texas a and was going to go in, went by 20 or more, you know, take some time to adjust because uh, we, I think we talked about it last week, the, the just the air being high elevation, especially from Texas, where they're probably close to sea level. That's a huge difference. So I could see them going in and being a little slow to start just because they got to adjust, but they never adjusted. They just kind of made their way through the game and got a sloppy win. So... Like I said, I don't know how they're still number seven in the country. I don't think they're a top ten team in my eyes yet. If they go into Alabama and they, well, they're hosting Alabama, but if they're they're undefeated and they put up a fight against them, okay, sure, they're they're a good team. But I just don't see them doing that. They're, like like Alex said, they're gonna go, they're gonna lose Alabama. By yeah, a lot. I don't mean to be the rankings politics guy who does all the conspiracy theory nonsense, but like legitimately, Auburn being in the top twenty-five is ridiculous, except for the fact that they're getting that top twenty-five match with Penn State. Just like A and M is gonna remain in the top twenty in the top ten until they play Alabama, because there really is no justification for it otherwise. Like Auburn should not be in the top twenty-five because they beat two very bad teams. Sure, they looked good, but they should be twenty-sixth. They should be, you know, one of the teams that receives votes, but I don't think legitimately they belong in the top 25 until they beat a team that is not FCS or should be FCS, which is Akron. So same thing with A&M. It's just going to be until they lose Taliban by 60, then they'll drop three spots and still be in contention like last year. So 
Well, that is going to do it for college football chat. We are going to be back in a few minutes to discuss all things professional sports as the NFL kicked off this weekend after an exciting Thursday night game and an entire slate of games Sunday. And we got a Monday night game tonight. So an exciting weekend of sports. Don't go anywhere. The conversation continues on the other side of the break. You're listening to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM or on WeagleFM.com. That's WEGLFM.com where we are live streaming 24 hours a day. You can also check out our YouTube on the WEGLFM YouTube page or you can listen to our podcast where the two-hour show gets uploaded absolutely PSA break free every afternoon after the show. And uh, you can listen to to that on your podcast player of choice. Go ahead and follow the station on Twitter and Instagram at WEGL underscore AU for all the updates on events we're putting on, DJ Spotlight, and live sporting events we are going to be covering. And that's going to about do it for the plugs. Um, uh, but we do have, of course, Through the Lens in the booth with us today. That is the WEGL's Movies and Entertainment podcast, uh, which gets uploaded on Fridays. And then we also got one half of the scoreboard, the other half being Bay Marks, who honked at me when he drove by my apartment yesterday. <laughs> Don't think I didn't forget that. So uh, we got the scoreboard in the booth as well. Uh, they record and upload Thursdays at 2, so you can listen however you are listening to this show today. Are you doing one this week? We are. Okay. I will be leaving Auburn on Thursday evening. Right after the show? Uh, I have class at 3.30, okay. but right after that class, yes. So yeah, some of us will be making the Odyssey up to Pennsylvania this weekend as we are all getting very excited for Auburn's top 25 matchup with the Nittany Lions of Penn State this Saturday evening in State College. You are going to want to miss this one. And, uh, of course, Hillman and I are going up there to check it out. So excited about that one. All right, we talked Auburn and college football in the last hour. If you missed any of that, you can go find our podcast wherever podcasts are heard and listen to our conversation about the first hour. We're going to move into pro sports, including some NFL updates from yesterday, some NBA and some UFC goings on as the sports world continues to be fun and exciting. Uh, if you want to get your opinion on the show, you can tweet at us at CDISCAU. That's at C-D-I-S-C-A-U. If you have to want to weigh in on anything we're talking about today, or you can call in at 334-844-9345. If you would like to get your opinion on the show, that's 334-844-WEGL on your touchtone keypad. All right. Um, I want to get everyone's initial reactions from this NFL weekend so I can catch my breath. Well, I, I, I didn't get to watch a ton, but I think my, my big thing was a lot. Of, so when I, when I saw the Texans and Jaguars score, shocked me, but it was shocking the quarterback play. Then you go to the Bears game, not shocking quarterback play. We knew Andy Dawson was going to be bad, but it's more so what – I'm trying to figure out the whole quarterback situation in, in, in the NFL because Matthew Stafford looked super good. And then, yep. yeah, like I said, Terod Taylor, he looked decent, but, of course, it was the Jaguars. And then you had Andy Dalton look bad. 
I, I'm just looking throughout the league, and I see all these different performances. Yep. And I don't know where the season goes because Aaron Rodgers also looked horrible. Jameis Winston looked amazing. I just don't know what 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 we're looking at. Ryan Fitzpatrick season. possibly dislocated his hip. Uh, bless, so. bless your heart. Bless your heart. You got Tyler, Taylor Heineke now running the show. Uh, yeah. Um, I would say one thing is, you know, you got you got Trey Lance throwing a touchdown, then Jimmy Garoppolo turned into Montana, and then Jared Goff almost led a comeback in one of the strangest things that I've ever seen. Um, the Lions almost won the game. Don't really know how, mm-hmm. but they did, despite the fact of being down 38-17 to 17 at one point in the uh, fourth quarter. Yeah, it's crazy what's happening right now. All the NFC North are winless. The NFC North, it's, it's a four-way tie for first place. They're all just 0-1. It's, I mean... It's insane what's happening because you know you got a lot of veteran quarterbacks with you know the ba- with the rookie backups Lance and Garoppolo, Dalton and Fields. Lawrence may need a backup because he did not look very good at all. The Jags are not good at all. Obviously, we know that. And I have ev- I mean I have a million negative things to say about Urban Meyer, but Lawrence did not look good either. There was a lot of time where he you know had a clean pocket and launched it, and it was thrown right into the arms of a Texans receiver or ten feet above any Jaguars or Texans defender or ten feet above any Jaguars wide receiver. Excuse me. Right. Um, Yeah. So it's kind of chaos. I yeah. It's just nobody really knows what's. It's going to take a few weeks before things to sort themselves out because again, you know, somebody brought up the last time the Saints beat a team thirty-eight to three. It was the Bucks last year, and they won the Super Bowl. Correct. And the Bucks looked bad in that game. I remember, like watching. I was like, oh, I, I mean, I, yeah. I know the overreaction was, from that following week was the Bucks just had no yeah. chance. It was supposed to be a great game, and like it was prime time and stuff. I think it was like the big. It was Sunday night football. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, they looked bad, and Breeze looked great, and then it fell back in place again. So I don't really know. Yeah. So there, uh, a lot of preconceived notions yeah. I think people had about this season were pretty much instantly dashed. Yeah. And uh, let's do scores, and uh, we can talk about it. All right, on Thursday night, it was the Cowboys and the Buccaneers squaring off. Tom Brady throws for four touchdowns, but Dallas leads the stat sheet. Dak Prescott throws for 400 yards and three touchdowns. Zeke goes for 33, and Amari Cooper catches 139 yards worth and two touchdowns. All right, on Sunday, your noon games, Eagles head into Atlanta. They beat the Falcons 32-6. Jalen Hurts goes 27-35 for three tutties. In Buffalo, it was the Steelers over the Bills by 7, 23-16. Josh Allen throws 50 passes but only gets one touchdown. In Cincinnati, the Bengals edge out the Vikings 27-24. Kirk Cousins goes 36-49 of for almost 400 yards passing, but Joe Mixon runs all over the Vikings for 127 yards and a touchdown. In a bizarre game in the Motor City, Jimmy G and Trey Lance march in and beat the Lions 41-30. to after a 16-point fourth quarter by the Lions. Jared Goff goes 38 of 57 for 340 yards and three touchdowns. In Tennessee, it was the surprising Cardinals who come into town, and a smothering defense obliterates Tannehill and the Titans, rather, 38-13. Kyler Murray gets five total touchdowns in that one. Seahawks come into Indianapolis, and they win 28-16. Russell Wilson gets four touchdowns in that one. Chargers come into FedEx and take care of the Washington football team, 26-16. Herbert goes 31-47 for 340 yards. 
in Carolina. It was the Panthers who hold off the Jets. Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson connect for a touchdown against their former team. Sam Darnold goes 24 of 35 as the Panthers win that one 19 to 14. In a surprising AFC South matchup, the Texans blow out the Jaguars 37 to 21. Trevor Lawrence attempts 51 passes. Mark Ingram runs for 85 yards and a touchdown. In a AFC playoff matchup game of the week, if you ask me, the Chiefs take care of the Browns 33-29 after a big second-half comeback. They outscore the Browns 23-7 in the second half. Dolphins go up to Foxborough and get a win in an Alabama quarterback showdown. They win by one after a late Patriots fumble. In Jacksonville, it was the Saints all over the Packers 38-3. Jameis Winston only throws 20 passes in that one but gets five touchdowns out of them. The Broncos take care of the Giants 27-13 after Daniel Jones has a poor performance. Sterling Shepard has seven receptions for 113 yards, though. And on Sunday Night Football last night, it was the Rams taking care of the Bears 34-14. Matt Stafford on his new team goes 20-26 for for 320 yards and three touchdowns. So that is your NFL scoreboard for Week 1. We're looking forward to Ravens versus Raiders tonight in the Death Star on at 7 p.m. on ESPN. I'm just saying, I was completely blown away by the Arizona uh, demolishing. Yes, uh, and that was offense offense and defense, a complete smothering of the Titans. Someone posted a video from the Waterboy and compared Chandler Jones to Bobby Boucher, and I feel like that was pretty much the best way. Did did y'all see what Taylor Lewan tweeted after the game? He's like, I got destroyed. Yeah. My bad. And he did. I'm looking forward to see what – how both of these teams go move forward because obviously we the Titans have talent on offense. I it doesn't make sense for them to only put up 13 points. Yeah. And then the Cardinals they play in a tough division that I don't think really anyone's picking them. I think people understand they're a good team, but no one thinks they have really have a chance to win that division. So I'm interested to see if they can keep it up. If the Cardinals look as good for the rest of the season as they did this season, I mean, all the Cliff Kingsbury haters, which haters, which were everybody when he got hired. I mean, it's, I mean, like legitimately, I don't think there was a single person who thought this was a good hire at all. And it was right, a weird hire. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, you're hiring a guy who couldn't win a Texas set to be an NFL head coach. It wasn't like he was winning national championships there either. And mm-hmm. you know, I think it would it is very surprising to see that they are, are good under his uh, like you know under his leadership right now i mean they looked great it looked like hey all the reason they hired him were proven yesterday and now you've also got a defense that's good i mean that's just that is the most insane thing to me and it'll be very interesting to see how because right now the nsc west is probably the most talented division i mean the rams looked good the 49ers looked good until the lines almost came back right the seahawks are the seahawks and the cardinals looked amazing i mean I don't know if there's another division out there except maybe the AFC North. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I mean, I was impressed by the Steelers. Yeah, yeah, I, I was too. But I was impressed by the Steelers a lot last season too. And then they, you know, they were very, they were about as inconsistent as they might be this year because if Ben Roethlisberger is the same quarterback he was last year, they're going to be in trouble later in the season, I think. But like even then, you know, I think it's the AFC North and the NFC West are probably the two best right now. And I mean, you know, kind of put, adding justification to expanding the wild card. North? No, I said AFC North. My bad, okay. Yeah, I'd West. say that the, the AFC North team that played the best was the only one that didn't win. The Browns looked phenomenal yeah, in yeah. Kansas City. Exactly. They just got, you know, 
Yeah, not much. Not, not, not much you can do about Mahomes. I mean, they just yeah, they just play you know probably the best quarterback of this decade. When Pat Mahomes throws across his body, the ball goes downfield forty five yards, and it's still somehow a touchdown. Pat Mahomes throws like the glitch in NCAA when they're getting tackled. Oh my god, missile! He gets stuck in an animation sometimes. He does. He just can't do anything about that. All right, we got a lot more NFL to talk about on the other side of this break. But you are listening to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL ninety one point one. We talk. Come back. We're going to talk about that Bengals overtime win. We're going to talk about the 49ers almost losing to the Lions and how the Seahawks are going to overcome poor offensive line play as Russell Wilson continues to dominate against the Colts. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside co-sports directors Jacob Hillman and Alex Houston, as well as Davis Carroll on this fine Monday morning. Uh, going over to your weather report, it is, of course, in Auburn, Alabama right now, 78 degrees, so warmed up significantly since the start of the show. It's going to get up to 88 degrees today. That is your high. Not much rain in the forecast today, but, you know, you never know with Alabama, so go ahead and bring your raincoat if you haven't packed it already. We're looking at a 1% chance of rain right now, but, I mean, there's still a chance. So partly cloudy and 87 is your afternoon forecast. So it's going to get hot once again after a relatively mild weekend. Your overnight temperature is 71 degrees, so plan accordingly. We're also tracking tropical storm nicholas which is making landfall around matamoros on the texas coast this morning and would be curling around towards louisiana so record rainfall expected in the houston and dallas and shreveport areas as tropical storm nicholas continues to make its way across the gulf south so rain probably on its way in the next two days from tropical storm nicholas all right weather report over back to nfl football uh, I would say just uh, breaking news, uh, Lions cornerback and third overall pick in the 2020 uh, j- draft, Jeff Okuda has torn his Achilles and is mm. out, actually ruptured his Achilles, I believe, and is out for season. So no. that, and I mean, he was like, I mean, they drafted him all of last year and, and he was, you know, Jim Thorpe finalist at Ohio State, a unanimous All-American and, you know, going to be one of the big players on a Lions defense as they try and rebuild under Dan Campbell and now really you know already starting the year with a flat tire essentially in that because you know those those you know ruptured achilles is not an injury you come back from very easily at all and let alone, let alone the same player that's so, a that's a long recovery yeah and i mean so that's just something that you know just just broke about 10 minutes ago so tough loss for the lions yeah. but another tough loss for the lions was on sunday when the 49ers came to ford field and jumped out to a 31-10 to 10 halftime lead, but the Lions found a way to make it interesting, if you want to recount the tale to us, Alex. So basically, as far as I saw, um, and I watched a video about this, because the first the first video was making, a, was making a joke that the Lions cut it to a 28-point lead at, like, in the third quarter, but then, you know, getting into the fourth quarter, 
the 49ers hit a field goal to go up 41 to 17 with 10 minutes to go. The Lions score a rushing touchdown with a minute 53, get the onside kick and get it. Then they scored again in 50 seconds later to make it 41 to 33. Two two point conversions uh, occurred as well. And then the 49ers get the ball back and they get a run to get a first down to ice the game. And the running back fumbled the football leading to the Lions getting one last shot, but eventually they could not. And Jared Goff actually on his final play threw to absolutely nobody. It looks like he was trying to hit somebody in the uh, Lions fan base at that point. Shade to Justin Herbert. Indeed, indeed. Um, yeah. Actually, no, it wasn't even that because it wasn't out of the end zone. It was like out of the 20. Oh. And then, yeah, so it was, it was kind, of, kind of unfortunate. Trying to hit the kicking net. That, that, was yeah. on, that was on fourth and nine, so that was not great. But, yeah, I mean, within, within basically 50 seconds, the Lions scored 16 points. Yeah, I mean – so. Uh, it, it's impossible to talk about this game without also talking about the Rams game due to the quarterback situation. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's Detroit. I was gonna say it's it's Detroit. Like these are both great quarterbacks that got Detroited. They got Detroitus, if you will. I don't know if I'd call Jared Goff a great quarterback. I'll work I, I, was good. I, don't, I don't like Jared Goff very much. He was good. But he's like, a game manager. Yeah. I, I, he's I, a Pac-12 quarterback. He's good. Well, are you let us sure, see the Super Bowl. Are we sure the quarterbacks didn't get Sean McVayed? That's a very that's a very good point. I will say, as, as as someone who watched the Sean McVay offense when he was a coordinator, I mean, you know, the Sean McVay offense got Kirk Washington Cousins that huge contract, and then look, and it's just Kirk Cousins. That's what Sean McVay does. Is he, the offenses look great? He looks like a genius, and then they just become stagnant. That's what happened in the Super Bowl. You know, best offense. Oh my gosh, they're amazing. They scored like sixty on Monday night against Kansas City or whatever it was. And they scored three against New England. Not you yeah. know, not three in the final quarter. Not you know, well, not three in the first half. Whenever you give Bill Belichick two weeks to scheme up a game plan, that's true. That's true. But even then, that's still the least amount of points any team has scored. A lot of the time to fly those drones over the practice field. That's <laughs> a good point. That's a good point. Um, but yeah, I would say getting Sean McVay is possible. I mean, we'll see what happens. But I never thought golf was that great to begin with. I thought he had a great team around him, as Sean McVay did, with an incredibly ridiculous roster and large contracts everywhere. But, yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens. I don't know what the Lions' plan is, though, because, like, can they build around Jared Goff? Or, like, do they are they planning to tank and draft a quarterback? I don't really know. Y'all remember the, the first game Jared Goff came in his career and he got a concussion from Richard Sherman at the goal line? Yes, yeah, I do. That, that, was, say that, that was unfortunate. Absolutely rocked. That's that's <laughs> all I had on that third uh, goal. They, there I, I there we go, Davis. Alex, is, go. do you think he's hey still feeling the effects, Davis? I mean, I don't think he's that bad. <laughs> he's he, I agree, he's a game manager. You get hit probably in the head a, and you wake up and you're Detroit's quarterback. <laughs> probably <laughs> top half of the league game manager. He's he's serviceable. He'll get your team. I was about to say he's one of the 16 best quarterbacks in the league. Hand, I'll say hand that. him a clipboard. If, your goal is if he can get Detroit to win football games, then. Jared Goff might be a great quarterback. Yeah, That's true. He also led his team to the Super Bowl. That, I mean, okay, but yeah, that team was incredibly stacked from top to bottom. But even if you had a be- if you had Case Keenum in that spot, Rex Grossman led his cor- led his team to a Super Bowl. That, no, don't don't I, be. Oh, there's one other guy did it. So it's a the lot same of other guys did it. That's just one of the most recent examples. They had different teams. They played different teams. I That's know. Not the I'm same di- thing. If Rex Grossman had played the same teams on the way to that Super Bowl, it would be the same. You could you could equate those two, but you cannot. Totally different thing. That's I, like going, well, LeBron led his team with I was, one. With I was only just the team. bringing the point that I don't think leading your team. Well, here's the, the thing. Like I was saying, he led his team in the Super Bowl. You put Case Keenum in that spot, they would not got to the Super Bowl. That's all I'm saying. He's not terrible, but he's not amazing. That's my point. Serviceable is the diplomatic term we like to use. Yes. I'm not going to say serviceable. I think he's better than serviceable. 
the line in the sand has Eight. been drawn. <laughs> All right. Um, a game I had my eye on all afternoon was this Browns Chief matchup. I mean, Hillman got me amped up for this one, uh, predicting a Browns win, and probably should have been a Browns win. But you yeah. know, this just when Andy when Andy Reid wants that cheeseburger, he's going to get that <laughs> cheeseburger. And uh, the Chiefs come away with a victory in that one, 33 to 29. Kind of a boneheaded move at the end by Baker to throw one up. Uh, didn't look great. Obvious. There's there was some pressure and maybe some vision issues for for Baker on that one. He looked pretty upset about it, so I don't want to put it completely on him. But the Browns did look very good. Their rushing attack looked very good, and their passing attack looked efficient. I mean, it wasn't 90-yard bombs. 21 for 28, averaging 11.5 yards per attempt. Like you said, efficient. I I do think the Browns... I, I'm very much interested to see what the Ravens put on tonight, and especially tomorrow night when Lamar and Patrick Mahomes are going to meet up on Sunday Night Football. Yeah. So that's going to be a big game. But jury's still out for me on the Ravens. I don't know what implanted my idea in my head that the Ravens are going to be great this year, but they've dealt with so much, so many injuries in the offseason that I'm interested to see how they can put together a competitive team, especially against a... I'll say middling opponent like the Raiders. I mean, it's, it'll be a good opening game to test out the the Ravens' offense. So, I mean, their defense is going to be great. Obviously, I mean, that's just what you deal with the John Harbaugh team. But it's going to be if that e- offense is going to be productive because that's what's held them back yeah. in the past three or four years from being great. Ever since they acquired Lamar, I mean, they've gotten to the playoffs. They just haven't been able to do much in the playoffs due to their offensive struggles. So, unless I'm very much impressed, unless the 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 uh, Ravens can put up 35 tonight against the the Ravens. I'm very much excited about the Browns to win this this division. Yeah, and I would say exactly how you opened that Browns thing, talking about you, you weren't sure why Baker <clears throat> made that mistake. That's what doomed the Browns last year, and that's what do- will probably continue to do so. The Browns' offense was great last year. They were 11-5. Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb were amazing. Beckham and Landry and Mayfield had a lot of great performances, but at the end of the day, that's this I mean, the Browns are nearing, you know, the Brett Favre Packers era where Baker will win you a lot of games, but he will certainly lose you the games that matter because that's what that's what quarterbacks like. I mean, Baker's the gunslinger. He's, you know, he is the closest thing I think we'd say in terms of success and style to Brett Favre that we because most of these quarterbacks protect the ball better than he does. And most quarterbacks protect the ball a lot better than Brett Favre ever did. And, you know, but that's what those teams, they live and die by the gunslinger. He'll get you a 13-3 season sometimes. He'll win you a lot of games, but he will also make that why on earth you thrown across your body right to Tracy Porter in the NFC Championship game mistakes. And that's what happens. And I think that's what the Browns are going to be dealing with this year. Certainly he could change it around, but again, he, he did that yesterday. And I think that's where the Browns will be for a while. Baker could grow out of it, but right now, I don't know. And speaking of things the Browns are dealing with, was anyone able to solve the great OBJ caper? No idea. He was ruled out like right before kickoff, wasn't he? I think he. Just, I think his knees still. Just, he just probably didn't feel right. So they they said better safe than sorry. We're, we don't want to lose you for a whole other season. Fair enough. And they uh, did pretty well against the defending AFC champs without him. So we'll see what the OBJ situation is. So that's going to just about do it for our NFL chat today on Compact Discourse. When we come back from the break, we still got a lot of sports news to get to, including some NBA Hall of Fame news, as well as some UFC news that Hillman has, has brought to my attention. So we'll get to all that and more after a quick two-minute break. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM, WeagleFM.com. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM and WEGLFM.com. I'm your host, Jack Hart, joined alongside Jacob Hillman, Alex Houston, and Davis Carroll. We're talking sports. If you want to get your opinion on the show, you can tweet at us at CDISCAU. That's at C-D-I-S-C-A-U. Or you can call into the show at 334-844-9345. That's 833-444-WEGL on your touchtone keypad. Um, we are s- discussing sports as it is a Monday morning, and there was a lot to talk about from this past weekend in sports. We've talked football, we've talked college football, we've talked Auburn football, we've talked NFL football, but now we're going to move over to the NBA as the NBA Hall of Fame is well underway. Davis, what have you? This past Saturday... <clears throat> the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame had its induction ceremony, where it had its finalist. And it is not just the NBA Hall of Fame. Fun fact about the basket, it's just the Basketball Hall of Fame. So if you had a good college career, you can also get in. And international players, everything. That's one of the, that's one of the big debates about the NBA is if they should have their own separate Hall of Fame. Any thoughts uh, on that real quick? I mean, I, I'm fine with the Naismith Memorial. Too. See, the way Hall of Fames are are just so weird. I mean, baseball is just an absolute Baseball's disaster. Baseball's confusing with theirs. It's a disaster. That's what it is. And I feel like NBA might – there's really no controversy. It's easy to get, like – it's easy It's easy in the NFL Hall of Fame, I would say. I mean, there's a lot of people in the NFL Hall of Fame. And the NBA feels like it's the right balance, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So, uh, I'm okay with it, the way it's gone. So, this year, uh, we had some – Big inductions uh, to uh, for the North American Committee, or should I just go over them all? Go ahead. Just list them. Uh, I'll I'll end with the North American Committee. The Women's Committee had Yolanda Griffith and Lauren Jackson. The Contributor Committee, which I'm sure is I'm pretty sure is just someone who contributed to basketball, is I think is what qualifies. Val Ackerman, Cotton Fitzsimmons, and Howard Garfinkel. That's a funny name. <laughs> Uh, the early African American Pioneers Committee uh, elected Clarence Fats Jenkins, Fats in quotations is his nickname, and Tony Kukoc is the international committee. So that was pretty big. I did not expect to see Tony Kukoc coming into the Hall of Fame this year, but uh, he was good overseas. Selected by the international committee, it makes sense. I mean, you know, a lot of the Hall of Fame is your impact on basketball, and I mean, Kukoc is one of the first big stretch forwards or stretch forwards from like you know overseas like he really you know Dirk Dirk Nowitzki made that so you know prominent but Kukoc is one of the first before Dirk and you know Kukoc is one of those guys where you're like it made teams more confident to be able to draft guys overseas that you didn't know as much about like Dirk with Dallas so yeah it it makes sense from the international committee and from the North American committee finally we have Jay Wright coach of the Villanova uh, Wildcats current coach still yeah from since 2001 and Rick Adelman former coach in the NBA uh, and as a pl- and Bill Russell, who is the third player to ever be elected as both a player and a coach, along with Lenny Wilkins and Tom Heinzhan. I don't know how to pronounce that. But now to the big the big guns, the players. We have Chris Bosh, who was a player that was kind of in question if he was going to make the Hall of Fame since he went out in his last year with the heart issue and wasn't able to really finish his career how he wanted. Paul Pierce, finally in, uh, no doubt there. Ben Wallace, the first undrafted player to be inducted into the Hall of Fame ever, 
for the Basketball Hall of Fame. That's exciting. And finally, one that I was surprised they finally did was Chris Webber is now in the Hall of Fame. So, yeah, I think it's a pretty good pretty good year. I was say, I'm okay with all those guys getting yeah. in. And yeah. I, I like Vosh especially. I think that – I think a lot of people actually – not a lot, but forget how good Bosch was. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, a lot he of people great. do. He was a great player. I mean, Bosch, Bosch. You know, he gets a similar treatment to Kevin Love because when you when you go from being the star guy to the third fiddle on a LeBron James team, and you go from being a guy in the paint, your role drastically changes, and Bosch's did. But I mean, he was excellent, and I mean, really, we didn't get to see what happened because he had that. Uh, I think it was the blood clot problem that ended his career very early. After LeBron left in Miami, he was excellent, and he was going to continue to be. I mean, he would have been he would have bridged the gap between Spolstra's first run and his current second run, really. But right. that sort of made Miami a lot worse, and really sort of you know ended his career a lot earlier. So, but yeah, he was great. Do y'all have any players that you think have that you think should be in the NBA or the Basketball Hall of Fame that haven't been put in yet? I do. can't. Mm, ah, that's one that I don't think he should be. Yeah, you really? I don't think he's he did enough. I mean, six All Star teams, NBA Finals, and I mean, I, I mean, like I like dunking. I dunking. like Sean Kemp, but like at some point, like he he was he was he was on the trajectory, and then it he just did fall off. Yeah, this, if if Sean Kemp can make it in, then Derrick Rose has to make it in. Is how I see it. Okay. When does your eligibility open up? It's f- uh, five years. I think it might be more than that. It's I don't know because Bosch, if Bosch got in this year, well, yeah, I think Bosch retired in 2016 because of the blood clots. Yeah, it would be five so. years. I'm not sure exactly, but it's not like baseball where you lose eligibility for at least three years. Fully retired for okay. three years. Only players with at least 50 career win shares. What? Oh, okay. That's that's what Basketball Reference is doing. I was confused. You must have a plus minus of 30. <laughs> I, I, yeah, three years after retirement. But other than that, I mean, I, Tim Hardaway. There's Tim Hardaway. You could all, Chauncey Billups needs to yeah, be in yeah, it eventually. Rasheed Wallace. There's a big argument for him. I think Rasheed Wallace could get in just for his ferocity. Mm-hmm. I think depending on how well he does at Michigan, Jawan Howard, because mm. he's player Fab Five NBA champion and potentially great true, college coach true Def- definitely considering it, it it does ca- account for all of that it's all of basketball yeah which is unique to in, to the basketball hall I, I would i would say that because like the fab five is one of the most iconic stories in basketball yeah, yeah. juan yeah. howard west wing guest that's true although in that university played at duke fun that's fact. true oh dear that's true um yeah i would say they've they've done a good job of addressing a lot of the guys who would have been snubbed like like i was thinking about rudy tomjanovich who actually got elected this year like um and you know he was that great coach with the Rockets won those two championships in the 90s basically the only break from the MJ run with the Bulls so like the Hall of Fame's done a great job of addressing a lot of the guys who have been snubbed like Chris Webber and like a lot of the great coaches so right now I mean like when did Pau Gasol retire because I feel he's like not he just fully retired this year. Oh, okay, okay. I because I, I just know he's got to be a shoe in for it at he this will. point with the international. But he was with the Bucks last year. That's right. That's right. With the international and U.S. success, I think you know. I think what we need is we need the next crop of guys because a lot of guys you know from the 2000s era played so much longer that it's kind of you know we've got to kind of wait for a lot of them because like what like has is Ray Allen eligible yet? Mm. I think he retired after Bosch, right? Let me Google it. Well, someone that I think should be in also is Kevin Johnson. 
former Suns point guard. He won't get in because of everything that happened post his career. Like what? I mean, I I, I don't recall the exact story. I'm not really familiar with Kevin um, Johnson's off the court antics. If it, no, no, it's not an it's not it's like a crime. I'm yeah. Sure. I said antics because I didn't want to say crimes, Alex. Okay. I, I'm aware of his, what you're referring vaude, to. His vaudevillian performances <laughs> he did on the side. I was being I was trying to make light of his off the he's also the he was also the mayor of sacramento yeah so actually i i fun, fun fact now i'm very very confused okay. um but I, I i would guess it'd be in part due to that as to why but i don't know exactly controversy oh wait ray allen was already inducted what the heck that's my that's my bad i, I forgot that. about that i should have said something come on now stop you come on about now. that i apologize all right well i think I the only way to bridge the gap between basketball and fighting <laughs> sports is to uh, wait i got a bridge for you kevin johnson got hit in the face with a pie and then assaulted the person that hit him with the pie <laughs> There you go. Much it, like with that one, Jack. All right. Well, okay. Maybe there's two ways to bridge NBA and fighting sports. But the one I had in mind was, of course, uh, Trey Young appearing on WWE SmackDown in oh Madison Square Garden <laughs> this past weekend and uh, wearing a Hawks sweatshirt in the home of the team, which he eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. He was introduced as they had to find someone who knew how to win in the garden, too. Yeah. And then, Ooh. Yeah. Man. That was, that was McMahon, you're a genius. See, I didn't see. I always saw the screenshots on Twitter, so <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm wondering. I saw that, but that's all I saw from it. He attacked Rey Mysterio. He did. He 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 started he started fighting. It was in, it was insane. That's fun. That's fun. All right, just well, don't get hurt, please, Trey. Speaking of insane fighting, Hillman, I know you brought us a story from the world of of uh, Ding Ding Fighting Sports UFC. MTV VMAs. Conor McGregor was there for some reason, and Machine Kelly was there as well, and Conor McGregor. Was, I'm not sure exactly the backstory, but it looks like McGregor was not happy with MGK as he threw a drink at him on the red carpet. So, you know, Conor McGregor, he likes to start drama and likes to get in fights. So that, that, that's what he did. But, I mean, it, it was just a weird scene because they were kind of yelling back and forth, but then he threw the drink very horribly. It didn't quite get to Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> so it just was kind of awkward and nothing came from it except comments i'm so. trying to i saw yeah i saw somebody see, say oh i'm trying to see if i can determine what kind of drink it was somebody said mcgregor was mad because mgk wouldn't take a photo with him yeah th this is this is uh conor mcgregor's quote i don't even know the guy to be honest with you i only re fight real fighters people that actually fight i certainly don't fight little vanilla ice rappers i don't even know the guy i don't know anything about him except yeah. that he's with megan fox to be only it's even funnier in the irish accent to be fair i only fight people i know i just don't make me do throw that. drinks at people you'll do nothing <laughs> oh my gosh I'm just, trying to, I'm just trying to see about this. if he if he just threw some proper number 12 at him no. did he throw a punch or was it just the drink it, i mean you try drink. he tried to throw a punch but he, did it he land? He seems to be getting no, because there was like three no. or four people between him. I don't think it really. Yeah, he didn't really try to throw a punch. He, there was no chance he did. Yeah, mm. that's not really a fight. Then he just threw a drink. I at mean, him. Uh, uh, the, the point. Uh, the ESPN point was, was posting it like they were brawling. The point was, is like, oh, here's that's another true. boxer versus celebrity <laughs> match or whatever. And it's just no. Good lord! I can't wait for Jake Paul to fight Conor McGregor. Can't wait for Jake Paul to fight Machine Gun Kelly. He might do that. Don't tempt him. The uh, opening line of this article is Conor McGregor is up to his old antics once again. I mean, that is true. That is, that is That's true. what he does. I mean, he snapped his leg three months ago. Was it three months ago? Not even three months ago. And he's already walking and trying to 
start well, a lot more than drama. walking. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I look McGregor. McGregor's a genius in regards to the fact that he knows how to one promote things. I mean, and he knows how to stay in the headlines. Exactly. There's like, a reason he's the most polarizing figure in UFC. Like history. you know, I mean, you were just you were just talking about Trey Young at WWE SmackDown, but McGregor took the lessons from fake wrestling and said, "Wait a minute, this can be more yeah. than just." us fighting i could be a character and that's exactly what he is i mean he you know because a lot of ufc guys have tried it and failed miserably at it in the past in terms of you know creating staying power tito ortiz one of the examples tried to be this huge character and it kind of all fell flat now he's fighting other people i don't even know but like mcgregor took those lessons from that and was like yeah i'll apply it and that's what the ufc is doing dana white loves it because it makes the money it makes the money hand over fist when it's a storyline I mean, you really think Dana White's not going to try and get Jake Paul onto a UFC card? He's probably throwing everything he has at it legitimately because Dana White plays the character of purity of mixed martial arts, yada, 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 but he just wants money. So that's that. That's what they're doing, and it's, you know, I mean. Didn't it, Dana White never fight or something like that? Well, yeah, I'm pretty sure he just owns it. I mean, yeah. He has he, a lot of money. He He's more of just, he knows how to perform, like. He exactly. No, he's like Vince McMahon. He play, he play, he, yeah, and and again, he plays the character. He plays Vince McMahon. That's what yeah, he does. Precisely. He's not as evil as the character was, but like that's what he does. That's what it's they're me, doing. Austin. He knows exactly. Fight. Yeah, like, but like you know, he knows what he's talking about as well. But he also knows how to sell. That's what they're. That's the business they're in. They know what they're doing. Like I mean, you know, I did. I mean, just uh, did Roger Goodell play football? I don't know, genuinely. Like, I'm just saying. Like, I mean, he probably okay, played. He probably point. played his Pop Warner when he was 11. Exactly. That, that's my point. Is like, Dana White's probably one of the more experienced dep- that owns like a sports league. He did MMA. He did training and stuff. I think he did. I think he was a trainer at one point, and that's kind of how he got into it. He knew he had a market. And you win this there. round. You think Adam Silver could dunk? No. Um. I mean, with a trampoline. Adam, Adam Silver looks like if he got checked by a, a player, he'd get broken. I have Adam Silver's number if anybody wants to call him. All right. And on that <laughs> bombshell. Let's not leak that. We're going to head. And Michael Porter Jr. Break. leaked it on his Snapchat story. Uh, Remember that? Wait, what well, did you say? When we come back, we're going to discuss Auburn sports as the, uh, the very successful Auburn volleyball and soccer teams had an exciting matchup this weekend. So we'll get to that on the other side of this break. You're listening to Compact Discourse. Welcome back to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM and WEGLFM.com. Alex Houston had to leave the show to go listen to some music, but we are still here with Jacob Hillman and Davis Carroll talking sports with you this fine Monday morning on the Armchair Quarterback Special, as we like to call it. If you want to call in and get your opinion on the show, that's 334-844-9345. And if your call doesn't get through, it's because Davis didn't tell me the light was on. Uh, I told you, hey, so I told you last time it, it rang. I tried to. I just don't think he noticed. All right, he's uh the burden of proof is on me now. <laughs> so uh, that's Lawyer Davis for you. I didn't. Hey, you said it. <laughs> Plead the fifth. All right. So oh! continuing our discussion about sports, there were some Auburn sports to mention from this past weekend, including a volleyball match to which Auburn continues their winning streak, although they did lose a set, unfortunately. It took 17 sets in 2021. But Auburn Volleyball finally lost a set. Man, it, it was good. It was a good game to win because when you win all these games easily, it's it's similar to what happened in the football game was you want to have some kind of adversity 
through before you get into the meat of your schedule. And obviously, Auburn football at the university wasn't as great as volleyball's because they won the first two sets of the match, but then they lost two consecutive sets and had a battle back in that fifth set to win. And Rebecca Rath continues to be a strong performer for the Auburn Tigers. She's a transfer, and she won Offensive Player of the Week, I think, last week. But she had a lot of kills. She had 17 kills, but uh, excuse me, 24 kills. Liz Rich, another transfer, had 17. So Auburn wins those first two sets, 25 to 21 and 26 to 24, respectively. Santa Clara comes back and wins the third and fourth set, 25 23 and 25 20, respectively. And Auburn finishes the job by winning 15 to 12 in that fifth set to continue their winning streak. And they are now six and zero in non-con play, and continuing to roll as uh, the volleyball team continues to. I mean, right there with football, best best performing team on campus. I mean, definitely. And it, it, it's a it's nice to see after after last year and the past few years. I mm-hmm. mean, it's just fun to watch them win and 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 look, they skipped out on the spring season and it seems like it was a good idea. I mean, we've been relishing. I mean, it, it's been hard to kind of relish in the success of the volleyball team has been having, considering the the great adversity they've faced in the past uh, since I've been here uh, at, at at in the past five years and it's just it's kind of surreal to see this team that struggled so mightily in the past I mean they're six and zero now I mean and they hadn't lost a set until this past weekend they have one more home tournament this upcoming weekend before SEC play gets underway against Ole Miss on ESPNU but more importantly WEGL ninety one point one FM Wednesday September twenty second at eight o'clock absolutely of course wegl 91.1 is your exclusive home for auburn university we women's soccer and volleyball the reason i mentioned espnu is it's good to see they get the national television yeah, recognition of course. That, that's good to see it's not just streaming on the espn app so um of course yeah the exclusive home of those two sports and moving on to the other sport that wegl is your home for auburn soccer uh unfortunately had to take the bullet and be the first uh, athletic team to take a loss this athletic year uh, between football, volleyball, and soccer. But I think it was a pretty hard-fought and um, understandable loss considering yeah. the number one Florida State Seminoles came to the Plains to take on Auburn on Sunday. Florida State wins this one 2-1. to one. They scored two goals in the first half. Auburn only got one back in the second. Florida State improves to 7-0. and oh. Auburn drops to 6-1. and one. And that first goal was scored 29 seconds into the match. So when you do that, you put yourself in a bad position. So it, it was unfortunate, but Auburn really put up a good fight. The first half, they were outshot 11 to three. Second half, Auburn outshot Florida State five to two. It, it it was just they fell behind early, and it was hard for them to come. I mean, it's the number one team in the country. Once you're behind, it's going to be difficult to come back. Which they did their best, mm-hmm. but it, it was it was tough. I, I like what I see from the Auburn soccer team. They they did what they did best in the second half did not allow many shots or opportunities the defense was really good uh it's just the first half just a little sloppy yeah so sophomore midfielder Anna Haddock scored her team best fifth goal of the season in the 55th minute to cut the deficit to only one and nearly found the equalizer in the late stages of the second half that was a very interesting one down to the wire as the Tigers nearly forced some extra time so I think that coming up, the next broadcast on WGL 91.1 FM will be on Friday. Auburn soccer opens SEC play up with Georgia. I believe that game is at 630. That's when coverage will begin about 620. And 
we'll see what this Auburn soccer team is made of. They get about a week off, and they'll be able to try and bounce back because SEC play is what matters. Last year, Auburn narrowly missed out in the NCAA tournament in the spring. They probably should have made it. Uh, they, they were, they're on an 11-match match win streak until the loss yesterday. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll see what SEC play looks like for these Tigers. So, yeah, that is Auburn soccer has Georgia coming up on September 17th. That's going to be this Friday at 6.30 p.m. You can watch that on SEC Network Plus, or you can listen to it right here on WEGL 91.1 FM or WEGLFM.com. So that is their next game. And then volleyball has a home tournament that same night they're playing florida a&m and nickel state on friday they're playing belmont on saturday we'll have coverage of the belmont game and then the next week it will be ole miss as conference play opens up september 22nd next wednesday at 8 p.m in auburn arena so be sure to yeah get to that one and what i'll say is if you're not listening on wgl 91.1 fm go to the games yes the atmosphere yesterday at soccer was awesome and volleyball, the Jackson State game that I called earlier this year, a lot of fun. And I know as these teams keep winning, it's going to get even more fun, especially if everyone shows up and supports those programs. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, everyone talks about the student section in football and basketball, but they can be as fun, if not more fun, in kind of a more intimate environment exactly. like volleyball and soccer because you're really getting into the action. You know, your cheers are heard and they're understood and they're appreciated by the team. Yep. Um, so be sure to check that one out. Uh, of course, I mean, president president of the jungle, Jacob Hillman, joining us today. I got to hype up the student <laughs> section, of um, course, understandably Always. so. Um, and speaking of attending some Auburn sporting events, we have the Auburn hockey team is going to be joining us on the Wednesday show. Oh. So you aren't going to want to miss that one. Their season opens up, I believe, this Friday night. They're going to be playing a game against the Frozen Tide of Alabama in Pelham. So if you want to make the drive up and support the hockey team, you can do so. But if not, you can sit from the comfort of your own home and listen to my little chat with them, with the Auburn hockey team. Um, Of course, great friends of WEGL. We've collaborated a lot in the past. We've had done podcasts, and we're going to, after taking the season off last year, it's going to be good to sit down with the guys again, talk about what has changed and how excited they are to get going after not playing for a year, especially starting off with a big rivalry matchup. Auburn actually defeated Alabama for the first time ever uh, the last time they met up two years ago. And so it is, it is a big rivalry between these two programs. So the Auburn hockey, the club hockey team is going to be joining us. I think Brandon, team captain, and whoever else he can wrestle together at 8 a.m. on a Wednesday morning <laughs> uh, will be joining me on Wednesday. I'm not sure when or for how long because, you know, these hockey guys, they're hard to pin down. So of course. Uh, we're going to be talking with them nonetheless. I guess you just have to listen to the whole show. Um, and of course, you can do so right here on WEGL 91.1 FM on your terrestrial radio. You can listen on WeagleFM.com. You can uh, watch our live stream on YouTube. Uh, if it at the work. frames, yeah. yeah. If, if oh. we go from three frames per hour, to like a we're like a Tim Burton movie. Um, yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like a Ken Burns documentary right now. We might just have a, some pictures to show you. Um, but uh, you can also listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify, my player of choice. Just search for Compact Discourse, look for our logo, and uh, you can listen to every episode we've ever recorded completely PSA break free. So we encourage you to do so. Um, some pretty funny jokes throughout. And then uh, every every Monday through Thursday, you can listen live and you get your opinion on the show by tweeting at us at CDiscAU or calling in at 334-844-9345. All right, well, it is nearly 10 a.m., so that is going to have to do it for this edition of Compact Discourse. Jacob, hope to see you again at some time this week. I know we're both getting amped up 
for Penn State this weekend? Definitely. I'll probably swing by tomorrow after my 8 a.m. and then we'll see what happens on Wednesday, Thursday. No but telling, you know. I, I got to prepare for my flight because it, it's been a while since I've flown. So, you know, you got to get your barometric, get ready. Exactly. barometric pressure. Exactly. Pop your ears. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Jacob, also hard to pin down, much like those hockey guys. <laughs> Davis, what does the week look like for you? What are you excited about? What are you afraid of? What are you looking forward to? I mean, uh, I don't really have anything on the horizon except, you know, I'm just ready for a good week of class. I'm ready for That's three more episodes of Compact Discourse. More exciting. Absolutely. I'll be here for him. Don't you worry. <laughs> That's what we love to hear. All right. Well, I think I'm like your Andy Richter. I would say you're locked in. That's you're my color man. You're, you're locked I've in. I've been saying it. You know, I can, I can toss it to you when I need a break. Yeah. Hey, Dave just has to pay attention to the phone. Yeah. Look. I love college football and all, but, like, y'all are so much more knowledgeable on it. I didn't want to throw in and be like, what would you think of that game with that? And you're like, Darrr. I mean, that, that's just you and Alex in general. Right. Talking about NBA or, like, baseball, I'll be with y'all. <laughs> all right. Join us tomorrow when we talk about Spider-Man. Woo! And this new Hawkeye trailer. I, the quick watch I had. Not that good? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, I'm going to say it's not that good. I just... You know, the, the Spider-Man trailer is the most viewed trailer ever. This might be the least viewed trailer ever just because it's... <laughs> Understandable. Yeah. Owned. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Compact Discourse right here on WEGL 91.1 FM. However you joined us today, whether that be from your radio antenna, WEGLFM.com, or by listening to our podcast, we would like to remind you that all of our previous episodes are available as a podcast. PSA break free wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Compact Discourse. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at CDISCAU, that's C-D-I-S-C-A-U, for links to the podcast, information about the show, and important updates. You can also tweet at us to get your voice on the show, join the conversation. We are Auburn's only student-run morning show. You might want to go ahead and follow the station at W-E-G-L underscore A-U, Twitter and Instagram. Our dedicated team of marketing professionals are working tirelessly to provide you high-quality content for fans of the station. And with that, for Jack Hart, Jacob Hillman, Alex Houston, and Davis Carroll, this has been another exciting episode of Compact Discourse. We wish you a great rest of your Monday. Have another fabulous week here on the plains and we will talk to you tomorrow on the tuesday edition of compact discourse we'll be joined by chris tobias grayson moyer maybe even jacob hillman and davis carroll this is jack hart signing off and as always war eagle go one and oh get after it attack the day Gentlemen.